Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 486 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. The Eagles are flying high. James Harden might finally be back sooner than we thought and in a very familiar place. And, uh, of course, we're going to talk all about Survivor 43 towards the end of the show for the true sickos at home. Uh, and we'll talk some Spotify wrapped as well, because uh, everybody was beaming those Spotify wraps out today on social media, so we'll talk that as well. Uh, but before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials, at UndergroundPHI on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook.com slash UndergroundSportsPHI, and you can watch every Wednesday night show live right now on Twitch.tv slash UndergroundSportsPHI. And, of course, follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we got our Spotify wrapped in for the podcasts as well. So shout out to everybody that's checking us out on Spotify. Leave a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you use because it does go a long way for helping Matt and I continue to make this show the best it can be and taking this thing to the absolute moon and of course subscribe to the underground sports philadelphia youtube channel that's where you get full video episodes of all of our shows uh of course you get clips shorts interviews whatever it may be uh it is on our youtube channel so go to youtube.com slash at underground sports philadelphia make sure you smash that like button click the subscribe button ring the bell icon comment down below your thoughts on everything matt and i discussed tonight and uh, share the channel with your friends as we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. And Matt, of course, before we dive in, this show and all of our shows presented by PHI Apparel Company, our fantastic merch partners uh, with PHI Apparel Company's unique designs. There's no doubt you guys are going to stand out in the crowd when you go out to the bars, Xfinity Live, whatever it may be. Uh, and you can rep your favorite podcast from Underground Sports Philadelphia now as they are our official merch partners and our shirts are live. Hoodies should be coming soon and new designs are on the way. Uh, and you guys can use code UNDERGROUND at checkout for 10% off when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off and rep your favorite podcasts. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream. The... Philadelphia Eagles continue to live out their dream as uh, when we did our preseason uh, predictions, the Green Bay Packers looked like a more formidable foe on paper, uh, but they are able to take care of business on Sunday night football in the all black uniforms, beat the Packers, improve to 10 and one. And the Eagles are so good right now that somehow, some way we've got crazy win loss tie parlays. Uh, this coming weekend against the Titans that if this, 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 and this happened, the Eagles clinch a playoff spot already. 
Yeah. Um, the fact that you're not even in December and having <laughs> those, uh, those conversations is nice. Um, really, I think the magic number turns instead from like playoff to like clinching the one seed and guaranteeing home field advantage. I think that's, that's probably the bigger thing at stake. I think it's, it's weird too, because coming into the season, I don't know that the division looked as formidable. As yes. It, I mean, I don't even know if it's quiet, because like, I do think people are noticing, but I, I think it's still kind of quiet that this has been, I think by record, still by, the, by far the best in uh, in the NFL. Um, it is not really the, the NFC and AFC East both are just like could conceivably send four teams to the playoffs. Um, it's kind of funny because in years past, it's been like the AFC, NFC West. People have like really like gone in deep on those teams and just like, you know, outside of the, the Chiefs and the 49ers, like and like partially the Seahawks, like everyone in those is like collapsed. Um, whereas both the East divisions now are just good somehow. <laughs> like sometimes Washington has turned around their season. Um, even though the Giants have slumped a little bit, they're still, at least by record, a very good team and a playoff team. And the Cowboys look good. So, I mean, you think, I don't know that you would have expected from me, like I think projecting them for like 11, 12 wins at the beginning of the season. You'd think that'd be enough to even make the last few games of the season kind of, you know, moot. You know, you would not really have to show mm-hmm. up and, and you'd be able to rest guys in week 18, right? Like, it still could like obviously play out that way. But um, the fact that you're still like, the division lead is comfortable, especially with the, the Eagles record within the division. But, um, you know, it's still like, <laughs> it's still a little more up in the air than maybe you'd think for being a 10 and one team. <laughs> like, yeah. And the, the crazy parlays this weekend, this comes from John Clark, of all people, of course, because John Clark uh, is the best at, at figuring out these scenarios. Uh, so this weekend against the Titans, the Eagles can clinch a playoff spot if this happens. I want to pull up his Twitter because for some reason I can't find it. Uh, but the Eagles, I think, would have to... So if they beat the Titans this week and Washington loses, San Francisco loses or ties, and Seattle loses or ties, uh, as long as both San Francisco and Seattle each don't tie, the Eagles clinch the playoffs. Or the Eagles win, Washington ties, San Francisco and Seattle both lose. Okay. I think the first one's a little more doable (laughs) uh, for that all to happen, but that is the first uh, clinching scenario of the 2022 season for the Eagles, but it does come with some hardships as uh, Sunday night, CJ Gardner Johnson gets injured. He has a lacerated kidney and a rib injury. He's on IR going to be out for at least four weeks. And the soonest he can return is against his old team, the new Orleans saints on new year's day. Uh, But Jordan Davis, his 21 day practice window open today. So he could play as soon as this weekend against the Titans, which has kind of been the, the benchmark for him. But Losing C.J. Gardner-Johnson in that secondary, who's leading the NFL in interceptions this year, has just been kind of like an aggressive, all-around solid safety for this team. Uh, That's going to be tough to replace unless, I don't know if you saw this, Matt, Malcolm Jenkins said he's still in shape and, if needed, could come back and play for a team this year. Well, he's got the video on the podcast, too, so I believe him. He certainly looks in shape still, but... um... Feels like CJ's regular season is probably done. You know, I, I think with an injury like that too, it's more like a it's, 
it's more like just as long as you can spend without getting hit mm-hmm. and putting on hit because i think you can still remain relatively like in shape with that it's not like you've you know messed up a hamstring or a calf or something that's really gonna limit your ability like it's a lot of like pain tolerance stuff and um just being careful with the guy so i think like kind of ease him out for the rest of the season put him on ir right and then even when he's eligible to return i, I just feel like probably like thinking four weeks the eagles again could be you know 13 and one yeah. <laughs> you know 13 and two like they could, and know. not everybody's zach Ertz who had the same injury in 2019 and came back and played a week later right you know it's also like out of necessity too yeah. you know like the eagles you know i know we're talking about them still needing to like do work and you know the, the division is still competitive but it's also like they're the stakes are not nearly as high as you know trying to chase you know uh chase down you know a division leader or, or nail down that wild card spot um you know, and I think that's that is kind of the benefit of being in this situation is uh, not that you can like take your foot off the gas, but you can I think be a little more conservative with injuries and and rotating guys, especially like this Eagles team, which has a few of their key players are older and could probably do with some management. Um, especially I'm thinking of like where this team has been most dominant on the offensive line. Like you can maybe give guys more breaks than than maybe you would if you're you're really chasing a pack here. So um, that's that's a huge benefit and. I mean, they're just cruising right now. That's uh, which <laughs> did not expect. You know, we expected them to have a good season, yeah. but this has been, um, I mean, something special. And I, what's interesting too is like, not a lot of games where you say either it's been like, man, I, you know, I like. There's obviously been some like close second halves. You know, like that was obviously a storyline for a chunk of this season about you know the Eagles not really being a great second half team scoring wise. But that's a lot of times because they haven't needed to be when you're up like. 27 6 at halftime there's usually not a need to, to really like lay it on heavy um so yeah i, I think you know it, it, it's been a, a very composed and i feel like too like they've gone a little under the radar now because i feel like they've had some like national not even losses but like blips where like maybe they haven't played like the absolute best and it feels like you know like the cowboys have had some big moments and big national spotlights and like they're always going to be a team i think that gets that spotlight like it or not um, you know, the Vikings, I think, are, like, just a general story that people like, and the people are so down on the Vikings, but mm-hmm. it's still, like, it just feels like the Eagles, for as good as they've been, and for, like, as good of a story as they have, too, like, everyone can't stop talking, and the Seahawks is a different level. Yeah. But the Seahawks, you know, like, and how, not that there's a comparison, because people came in expecting the season, the, the Seahawks to be, like, a bottom five team mm-hmm. in the NFL, whereas now they're looking poised for the playoffs and are going to have a top pick in the draft because of a trade they made in this, this off season. Um, Eagles did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Eagles, Eagles have the saints pick, which could very well still turn out to be a, a top five pick in this draft. Uh, more likely that it's around like top 10, but still, I mean like, you know, it's, I'm going to knock on some wood. It is not inconceivable though, that the Eagles could be picking at six and 32, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just a, you know, and that's just like not a, a common thing you know even just again like being a team that's getting a first round by yet still having like a top 10 pick is just not common um so yeah I, you know I, th- I think that the eagles again have just kind of gone a little under the radar in some ways which is good yeah i think you'd almost rather have it that way yeah 100 percent. and you know looking at uh something we love to do with the phillies the uh point differential in the nfc is very hilarious for the teams that if the season ended today um this would be your your playoff teams for the NFC, and it is 
the Eagles, obviously, uh, the Vikings, the 49ers, Tampa Bay, Dallas, New York, and Washington would all be playoff teams. So their uh, score differentials look like this. The Eagles are at a plus 87, which feels about, you know, on par with where you would think a 10-1 and team would be. Um, then you look at the Vikings, who are 9-2. and They're like everybody's like darling team this year. They're a plus 5 and went into Thanksgiving with a negative score differential. Uh, the Cowboys are at plus 92. The 49ers are at plus 76. The New York Giants are at negative 7. The Washington Commanders are at negative 3. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are also at negative three. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think I've said all year that the 49ers, I think, are the other team in the NFC that worry me the most. I just think they're like, especially now, you know, I think we're the best skill position groups in all of all of football right now, and uh, I, not a team that I would like relish seeing in the playoffs. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Even last year, like I, I don't think they got a lot of respect, and they were you know, a quarter away from being in a Super Bowl <laughs> again. You know, like, it's just they say whatever you want about Kyle Shannon and, and Jimmy Garoppolo, like, but... They win. They, they win. Then like, they they scheme the hell out of teams. They're very good at just beating teams. You know, like, and sometimes that's that's all you have to be in. Um, even, like, a Tom Brady, even though they haven't been great this year, I guess it's just, like, the name. Yeah. <laughs> the, the name alone kind of sends a few shivers. But, um, yeah, I, I think overall, you know, like, you, you look in the NFC and I think... For me, it's it's the Eagles and 49ers as like the the clear two. The Cowboys could come into form, you know, especially defensively if they're if they're able to to play like we saw for stretches earlier this season. Like you have a, a game changer like Micah Parsons, you make a lot of like bad shit happen to people. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I feel like the Eagles and 49ers feel like the team, the two teams most that are well balanced, and I think can beat you in in a lot of different ways. Um, and I, I think that's, I mean, ultimately that's the recipe for winning in the playoffs. You know, I, I would say the 49ers might have a slight edge because they have more pedigree in doing it in like the last two or three seasons. Yeah, the Eagles under Jalen Hurts haven't had mm-hmm. that six. You know, like this is all splitting hairs and like right. projecting. But, you know, like if you're just thinking about long term, because the goal for the season now is the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. like it or not. I mean, I don't know necessarily if that's what people were thinking coming into the year. I think people were definitely thinking playoffs. Think, definitely thinking this would be a good team, but um, anytime you, you again you're ten and one, if you're not thinking about the Super Bowl, you're thinking about your season wrong because you, know, you at this stage now you have to be. The expectations do change uh, as you, as you go along. Hundred percent, and uh, you know to cap off this week too, Jalen Hurts named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week, uh, and although he was the NFC Offensive Player of the Month back in September. First time he's ever won Offensive Player of the Week, and the first Eagles player, I believe, to win Offensive Player of the Week since Nick Foles did in 2018. Well, that's good. That's a good omen. Good company. (laughs) And, I mean, we talked about it last week, too, with how Jalen Hurts was able to kind of, you know, put the team on his back, win that Colts game, uh, and that boosted some of his MVP pedigree. I think this Packers game did even more. Like, he broke... NFL records, set NFL records that had never been touched before uh, was getting mentioned, you know, in the same breath as Michael Vick for some of the rushing stats he was putting up. And we're talking, you know, prime 2004 Atlanta Falcons, Michael Vick. Um, How much, in your opinion, do you think this improved his MVP odds? And, you know, is it still kind of, you know, just him versus Mahomes? And does the, the 
determining factor, because I still think it is, is it, you know, the Eagles finishing with the best record in the NFL? Yeah, again, typically the MVP does, the MVP pretty much always has to be the one seed. You know, there's a few times where it's been the number two, but typically you're going to have to have the best record in your own conference at the very least, if not all of football. Um, Chiefs did get flexed out of a, a primetime game, which they is did. nice. <laughs> you know, like that, like it or not, that shit helps. It, it shouldn't Very necessarily, helpful. but I mean, honestly, like, especially like we think of it a lot with the NBA, right? But it's, it's the same across every sport where like narratives matter and people like get sucked into that stuff. Um, and when you have a guy that's having a Lamar, Lamar Jackson-esque type season, right? Where it's like, we just never seen a quarterback do this stuff at mm-hmm. like this level in these numbers. And I mean... You say the same about Patrick Mahomes every year, but um, yeah, I, I don't know if the voter fatigue is there for Patrick Mahomes just yet. I think he has like, I just a part of me feels like this is like the last Mahomes like MVP yeah. year, and it's like well, he'll never get another one just because. Well, why would we? You know, like it's going to whoever. You know, like it's just, unless like some like weird because obviously like they lost Harry Kill this year, but unless they go get like you know the equivalent of what. The Patriots did to go get Randy Moss, right? And he just like, and he gets that supernova dynamic receiver, and they just go and break every single record possible, right? I just, you know, I, I feel like, and it's still like the Chiefs could still finish with the best. Like their schedule really lightens up Mm -hmm. at the end of the year. I, I wouldn't be surprised actually. You know, after this week when they play the Bengals, they have the Broncos, Texans, Seahawks, Broncos, Raiders. Um, it is not inconceivable that they go five and zero. You know, over those last games, and you know, finish what. 14 and 3, you know, yeah, where the Eagles have this week the Titans at home, then they're at the Giants, at the Bears, at the Cowboys, home against the Saints, home against the Giants. Yeah, it's not it's not the the easiest schedule, but um especially this Titans game, Titans are similar to the 49ers in that like they they've a habit of a, I think really like breaking teams down to like their very basics and I think it's a, it's a cliche, but they kind of bring you down to the level they want you to be at. You know, mm-hmm. like they, and they're one of those teams too that I think perennially plays up to competition. Like they they just always in like tight games and, and always manage them well. Um, just like not a team that I think people. And <laughs> they're a team playing. this year that like everyone has been like, oh, the Titans are bad. They're down. Which like optically, yes, they've been down compared to what they've been over. I'd say the last like three or four years, they're still seven and four. And I think that's the bet that they make because the division has not and does not look like it's going to, you know, maybe the Jaguars in the next two years look better, but um, that division is just like such a mess that they don't need to be blowing the doors off people. Like when you just have a division that bad, you can guarantee that you're going five and one in your division alone. Like you just got to take care of eight other games. And I think too, like, you know, they're, they're making like a, an interesting decision too. Cause I think, 2023 they don't they can get off Derrick Henry they can get off Ryan Tannehill and that opens up a ton of caps so you know like it just feels like mate like this is a team that's kind of setting up for like a little bit of a flex point here in the next like year um and to do that while also still like being competitive now is like very hard you know like it's not an easy thing to do like they've been well run you know I, I think they've been a little unlucky in some ways but um, you know, cause like Ryan Tannehill for like the other guy is a good guy. Like for not having an elite quarterback, Ryan Tannehill is like as good as you, you mm-hmm. can conceivably do, to be honest. Like he's, he's, like, he's in like that Alex Smith category, right? Like he is like, you could, you could conceivably win with Ryan Tannehill. Your right. path is much more narrow, but 
um, you know, without having one of those elite guys, it's always going to be tough. You know, Eagles know that. <laughs> like, it's just, it just is. You know, every, every team knows that. It's why the 49ers spent all that capital on, on Trey Lance, right? Because they felt like he was the guy that could transform them into what they really wanted to be. Um, and now we're still making it work with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like, but, you know, you look at the the Jets, right? <laughs> like, imagine if they had a more, like, competent quarterback this, this season. You know, that's a team that might only have one or two losses on their record. Um, so yeah, your quarterback play matters and, and the Titans don't have spectacular and Tannehill's been like injured for part of the season. Like mm-hmm. I just, I think some of the Titans like hate was a little bit of a mirage, you know, like, it, you know, maybe we just couldn't see it at the time, but yeah. Yeah. You were right on, uh, Tannehill and Derek Henry. They're both free agents after 2023. So going into 2024. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, like. They'll probably move off Taylor Lewan this year too because of his injuries. Right, like you know, and you're talking about like three big pieces, but a lot of money now being yeah. freed up. Like Traylon Brooks looks already very moved good. off AJ Brown. <laughs> right, you know, and like, and I, I think it's it's tough, right? Because like someone like AJ Brown, and you see how good he is here. Like, and you saw him when he was good, like there. It's not like he wasn't performing. It's just I think, I think the timeline maybe didn't match up the way that they wanted, mm-hmm. and it was better for them to go. They get Traylon Burks. Now you have essentially what they hope to be is another AJ Brown type of player, like in terms of like what he brings physically, his his like skill attributes, all that. Um, except now in a rookie scale contract for another few years, rather than having to pay AJ Brown, um, to kind of like just a organizational decision, which I don't think is terrible. Like it's one of those trades too, where I think both teams got what they wanted. Mm-hmm. It's like no one really shits on the Bills for trading away. Justin Jefferson, right? Yeah. Because they got Stephon Diggs, and it's worked out great for them. You know, like, it's just not every trade has to have, like, the... I feel like we don't talk about that a lot either. No, because it... Because it's worked out. Because yeah. it worked out so well. Because <laughs> the Bills, you know what, are still, you know, uh, one of the favorites for a Super Bowl, and Stephon Diggs has been great, and Josh Allen has been great, and it's like, well, that's just it. <laughs> like, you know, but and it, it, it worked out good for everyone involved. Everyone got what they wanted. Um, we talk more about... <laughs> Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager than we do about that trade. Right, because it's just like such a disparity yeah. in talent level that it's like, yeah, I mean, Christ. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, like it's just not every trade has to have this like chasm between who won and who lost. Like trades can be <laughs> beneficial for everyone. Yes. Like you don't always have to dominate the other team in the trade. Uh, and then on top of that, Matt, one of our preseason predictions hit against the Packers. AJ Brown's touchdown total over six and a half hit while he had, uh, a burst blood vessel in his eye, lost seven pounds during the week from throwing up from being sick, still went out there, uh, and gave it his all. So hat tip to AJ Brown there. Um, but from the gridiron to the baseball diamond. Brought to you by the homies over at Kenwood Beer, who are going to be part of our live tailgate series that we have coming up in 2023. First one, April uh, 8th, 2023, for the opening night game against the Cincinnati Reds. Kenwood Beer uh, is the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's the best light lager in Philadelphia. You guys can go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use that all-new and improved Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Matt, the, the Trey Watch alarms were on red alert this morning as uh, John Paul Morosi on MLB Networks uh, basically 
came out and said the Phillies are the favorites to land Trey Turner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and will be one of the favorites to land one of the four superstar shortstops. It, it feels like no matter what. It, it feels very uh, Machado, Harper, and that it's mm-hmm. like, it's one of these guys. You know, like, we don't necessarily know who. Um, and, I mean, Trey Turner is probably everyone's, like, top pick, and I would, I'm not going to, like, like blink at any of these guys. I think the the money has to be right. Right. Not that I care, right, about, but, like, you know, you don't want to be signing, like, terrible contracts because, you know, that, that is how you really, like, blow this opportunity that, that the Phillies have right now, but um, Trey Turner would be great. I just hope it's done quickly. Like, wait, whoever it is, whatever it is, like, I just, I want it done. Which they did mention that, too. Harold Reynolds and John Paul Morosi said uh, a lot of these teams' front offices are, like, the teams that are in the mix, they're kind of like urging them because they don't want it to linger into February and March. It's a World Baseball Classic year as well, so they want the market to kind of like take shape so the guys that are playing in the World Baseball Classic can go and play in the WBC and then the other guys can go to spring training. They think a lot of these big-name deals are going to happen first this year, which is kind of a, a flip of the script from what we've had in years past. And they think some of the stuff could pop off at the winter meetings. That'd be great. I do feel like they say that every year. I agree. <laughs> I do feel like every year is like, well, the winter meetings, you know, they all get in the room and then it's like, okay. It always feels like the winter meetings is more trade heavy. Right. The, the, because yeah, the GMs are there to all kind of like, talk. The, like, honestly, like the GMs all being in a place doesn't help free agency in any way and i think it's more like the baseball writers like it because Mm -hmm. everyone is in one place yeah and it is very easy to like you know have a conversation with someone and then go into another conversation with like it's just easy for their job i think is why they like the winter meeting so much because i feel like every baseball writer well once the winter meeting it's like okay (laughs) i can't tell you that anything has ever happened of like great note at the winter meeting that i could that immediately yeah. jumps to mind you know and it just feels like every offseason i'm not hating but it just feels like every offseason yeah, i'm like, like trying to think of anything like, every offseason it's the winter meetings it is like, i don't know if the cliff lee like cliff miss was during the winter meetings or not because everything is like changed and schedules mm-hmm. have been different you know since 2011 but that's like the last time i like first memory like december big free agent signing was cliff lee I think that they should do like NBA where it's like nothing up until no one can be signed up until this date. And then it's like, cause like July 1st, everyone knows like there was guys getting signed during the world series. Right. Like I, I just say like, it's harder with baseball cause there is so much more talent out there. Like Mm -hmm. there's such a larger roster size. Like obviously the NBA can do it. Cause like you're not having as much turnover. And there is the minor league aspect. Right. Like, I I get that it it's not as easy as I'm making it out to be. I just wish it was a little... Like, I think that would help yeah. these like these things not drag until February, you know, like, or March, like they, like they have in years past. So, I just hope whatever it is, it's quick. Because yeah. Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, Danzu Swanson, whoever it is... Correa. Did not say his name for a reason. <laughs> I would, like... That's, like, one of the few players that I would, like not at all want to root for yeah you know um but you know i just hope that whoever it is gets because i don't i don't think it's the only position the phillies really need to be addressing agree this uh this offseason so you know like i i'd prefer if it's it's done quick and you get on to other targets and for once just have like a uh a solid team going into spring training with everyone showing up and you know especially too because like i feel like 
the start to this season is going to be more crucial than ever because Bryce had his surgery, probably not back batting until All-Star break, right? Yeah, they said his the soonest he can come back is like right after the All-Star break. And then throwing until... They said knows. late season would be... Feels like DH for the year. Yeah, you once know, again. Like, which is, you know, whatever. We did that for... <laughs> this entire year and it worked out pretty good <laughs> in some ways at least. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's more important than ever that you have that good start to the season. And I'm, you know, considering that we're not having Joe Girardi start off the year, maybe maybe that's what it takes. But And then uh, on the, the MLB offseason front this is a guy i talked about as part of my dream trade deadline and i got roasted on twitter for it just because they were like he's under contract until 2026 they're not gonna move off of him new jersey native south jersey native zach gallon tweeted four eyeball emojis today everybody lost their shit the comments everything underneath is He's Philly, Phillies, Phillies, Phillies. If Dave Dombrowski somehow pulls off a mega trade for Zach Gallen this offseason, that in and of itself, even before the the rumored shortstop stuff, is a win for this offseason. Because then you have a rotation, this is all hypothetical, obviously, of Wheeler, Nola, Zach Gallen, Ranger Suarez, insert fifth starter here. That's four aces again. Yeah. Like, for for the people at home who are not too familiar with Zach Gallen, uh, I'm going to give you a little rundown here. Not only, you know, he's from Gibbsboro, New Jersey. Not only is he stupid good, he's 27 years old. Um, and these were his stats last season. For a pretty bad and, and mediocre Arizona Diamondbacks team. He had a 5.1 wins above replacement. He went 12-4 with a 2.54 ERA in 31 games, pitched 184 innings, 192 strikeouts, and a .913 whip. Well, <laughs> I feel like I, I really feel like the Phillies do need to come out of this offseason, whether it's through free agency or trade with another like star pitcher, because you know, and this is like not me blaming nolan wheeler but you could see like what the effect of the last like two seasons has had on them like cumulative in the playoff run even before you get to the astros series you could yeah. see like a little cracks and then again not blaming them for that at all right like it's just like what we expected of them and the workload we gave them was at times historic so if you can come out with with a third like genuine star and then have someone like ranger right and then Whoever, whoever emerges for that fifth spot throughout the year, right? Like, I think that is... Because ultimately, too, like, what this team is aiming towards is being back in the playoffs and being back in a World Series and ultimately having, like, four strong starters is what you need. You know, that, that fifth guy becomes a little less relevant, you know? Like, um, so, yeah, I, I, I really would love that. And, um, again, if that's trade, whatever it is. that I mean, that has been the MO of this team is, like, Say whatever you want about them over the last few years. Like, they have been willing to spend the money. They have been willing to push the chips in and, and give up prospects. And that's what, like, ultimately, that's what you ask for when you're a fan is, like, to not, like, put your hands in your pockets and say, well, I don't know. Like, you know, like, there's a lot of faults with this team. <laughs> they are not perfect. But, God damn it, like, when it's been time to, like, spend money, they have spent. Yeah, like, they waited for 
the right opportunities to spend the money too. It wasn't like, oh, let's go splash, you know, $75 million on a player that we're going to regret. They did that once with Jake Arrieta, and I think they learned from their mistakes with that and then waited until Bryce, until Zach Wheeler, you know, were available. And then you go and get Kyle Schwarber. You go get Castellanos, who you think is going to have a bounce back this year. Um, You know, I I think they've been very calculated – towards the end of the Clentac mcphail debacle in the front office and then with Dave Dombrowski uh, and Sam Fault kind of taking over and fixing the mess and picking up the pieces that were left behind with kind of a just half-assed front office. And they're they're willing to, you know, pull the trigger on players that they think are going to benefit this team, not only for now, but the future. And you saw that at the trade deadline with the trade for Brandon Marsh. They were willing to give up a top-five prospect to go get – a guy who they think is the center fielder of the future. Yeah, and, I mean, he certainly performed well down the stretch in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I'm I'm willing to just sit – it's kind of funny. Like, I feel like maybe a year and a half ago, besides the Flyers who were just dead to me, but this would probably be the front office that I'd probably trust the least with my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I'd be like, I – and not, like, not saying that's completely switched, but I'm like, I don't know. You know, like, I actually think – Maybe we're on to something. And maybe that's because of certain people no longer being in charge that yeah. I, I feel that way. And I think it even, like, gets additional, like, trust because Dombrowski last week signed that contract extension to be here through 2027. So it's like he sees the vision here. He sees opportunity here where everyone was like, oh, once his contract's up, he's going to go back to Nashville and try to get expansion uh, rocking and rolling in Nashville. But him signing that contract I think is going to go down as one of the more underrated aspects of this offseason because it is, you know, just one of those quick blip on the radar stories, but the fact that you're going to have, you know, an anchor at your your president of baseball operations now for the next 4 years not many teams are that lucky. Yeah. Definitely. Like you see teams move on from guys in their front office or they get, you know, pillaged from other teams trying to find their next guy and, you know, Look at look at us a few years ago when we wanted high and bloom goes to the Red Sox and the Red Sox are now on the precipice of losing, you know, superstar players in Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, and potentially Rafael Devers. Well, that's because they got a they're selling Liverpool. You know, they're they're trying to. I think they're going out of the sports game. But you know who they do? Have. They got to they got to pay those that that New Jersey Devils bill right or the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Penguins bill. Deal. Yeah, they're trying to get. I think they're trying to. Um, the rumor. The rumor is they're trying to get in on the the Phoenix Suns. That is the don't know if that's true, but that is the the noise. That'd be interesting. That is the noise about uh about all that because they're, they're standing to make about three billion off Liverpool. So. <laughs> <laughs> Got money to spend. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Phoenix Suns in the NBA, uh, looks like James Harden is on his way back. Uh, it's brought to you by our friends at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Uh, you guys can go to TomahawkShades.com. Use our code USP for 25% off any order when you shop at TomahawkShades.com. That's for sunglasses, blue light glasses, sweatshirts, hoodies, t-shirts, you name it, they got it. TomahawkShades.com, code USP for 25% off your order. I'm sure James Harden is uh, going to be wearing Tomahawk Shades when he goes down to Houston. Because that is allegedly the uh, the first game that is the target for James Harden to rejoin the Sixers on this three-game road trip. 
and uh, the Sixers have won seven of their last nine. And I don't know what it is, but Doc Rivers just seems to thrive with the hospital Sixers. And as soon as the superstars are back, it's like he forgets what to do with his hands like he's Ricky Bobby. It's like... He's like the gifted kid that just needs to be challenged, but I don't mean that in a complimentary way. Yes. And like, he's just like, why can't you just coach this way all the time? I, I don't get it. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the early season has been like just dominated by injuries, which, you know, sucks because it's a, a built-in excuse for Doc in some ways. Yep. But, um, I mean, it is the reality of the situation. Like, it is hard when you've had four of your best players like out with uh, injury. Not just like... I'm missing a game here and there, like, you know, it's like a month since we've had Jane. Like, it's just, it is what it is. But um, they have turned that around. Um, I mean, the East is still, like, pretty compact as well in, in that mid-bunch. So, um, obviously sucks losing the games that you have already, but there's at least, like, room to make that up and, um, you know, get everyone healthy because, you know, that's ultimately, like, again, we're going to get suckered into it. You know, like the playoffs is what matters with this team. Yep. Christ, I am not. <laughs> I'm not in the mental space to be like back for half game back of the four seed. And then you start talking to yourself into home court advantage, yep. and you like that matters. <laughs> Can't wait for the spectacular fireworks display of how we. Can't um, wait for the just unbelievable bell ringing option, and then we embarrass ourselves. Absolute back, but we could have Obama ring the bell. We'd let that man down. Oh my god, we could get the Dalai Lama <laughs> to ring the bell, and we'd still somehow lose the game. This team, man, yeah, um, well, that's that's why we love them, right? Apparently, Tyrese Maxey's out of his walking boot as well, which is a great sign. Um, not only just for the team, but for him in general, because. He is, uh, he's, he's like the juice of this team. It's like Embiid is the superstar, but Maxi is like the nitrous that you put into the superstar. Yeah. I do think one of the, the good things about the, the Sixers here too, is that, you know, they've obviously like not had James and Maxi, and like what that does for you defensively is it's like, you're giving up a lot offensively, obviously, right? Like, really, I do think even like with those guys playing up parts this year, like this team has been very good defensively, like a, a top five team in the league in that regard. I do think there's something good about like getting that time in and like working on like the, cause you like to be, let's be real when you're missing like Embiid, Harden and Maxi for, for periods here, like do you have to kind of focus your, your attention elsewhere within this team? Cause you're not going to be able to replace that off offensive output. I do think that work being put in is kind of nice for this team. I do mm -hmm. think that's something that you can build on as you get later in the season and be a real benefit. And when you've seen and beat and PJ Tucker play together, defensively has been very good. It's the same problems though, that we had with Matisse where it's like defensively looks good, but like can't score. Yeah. You know, like it's, 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 tough you know like that and that, that's going to be the challenge and again just what worries me is that it's doc rivers sorting through that puzzle you know like a thousand piece puzzle is not a daunting challenge you know right it is when you give it to a five-year-old you know yes. like it's like if it's if the person you're giving that puzzle to is not equipped to do it then of course they're not going to solve it you know like but it is that that is just ultimately worries me and, and that's what that's what makes me like even hesitant too about like diving into the deep end with this team because it's just like it's hard it's it's when when doc is there and it's so clearly him that is the fault here and that is like the not that the 
players are excused of all blame. Mm-hmm. But I do think like when you're building on a bad foundation, I'm not going to be shocked again in May when the building collapses. Like, you know, it's like, I, I, well, there's Arrested Development. There's the scene where uh, he opens the freezer and it says, it's a bag and it says, don't open dead dove inside. And he opens the bag and it's a dead dove. And he's like, I don't know what I expected. It's like, that is the Sixers yes. every year in the playoffs. It's like, this team is going to lose in the second round. It's like, yep. ah, no. <laughs> then you open the bag and you're like, ah, well, I well, don't know what I... It's like the, the episode of Family Guy when they're like, oh, here's a second round exit. Or you can have behind what you know what's in the box. Could be anything. Could be a second round exit. Could. It could be a, a sweep in the conference finals. <laughs> Man, it's going to be funny when we finally make the conference finals or something. <laughs> and then we just get, like, just get absolutely like, shit raced. <laughs> and I mean, the December schedule is on paper not too kind. You know, you have uh, the final game tonight against the Cavs, which the Sixers are currently losing 33 to 24 in the second quarter. Then you go to Memphis to play the Grizzlies on Friday. Then you go to Houston. Then at least you get a dysfunctional Lakers team coming to to South Philly uh, to kick off a really long homestand. Uh, then it's Hornets at home, Kings at home, and the Kings have been very good this year. The Warriors at home, the Raptors at home, Pistons at home, Clippers at home. So at least you're home for you know a huge chunk of your December schedule. Then you have the Knicks on Christmas. Uh, then you go to Washington, to New Orleans, to Oklahoma City on a back-to-back. Uh, and that's your December schedule. Yeah, I, I think the nice thing here is like very different from the first part of the schedule. It was like you didn't really have a lot of teams that were you know, already looking at the, the Wimbanyama kind of uh, race and think, yeah, you know, it's still a little cactus, you know, like. Like a team like the Pistons, right, too, especially with, like, a Cade injury, like, see how they sort of manage the rest of the year. And I mean, even, like, a team like the Warriors, which is, like, strange to say about a defending champion, but they have not been spectacular to start the year. They've been really stop and start. Um, yeah, obviously, the Lakers have not been uh, great this year at all. <laughs> so, you, like, there's there's winnable games in there. You're like, I, I would say, in some ways, it's a less daunting schedule than, than really what we had, but it's still not, by any stretch, easy. Um Christ, we're just getting absolutely <laughs> boat raced by the Cavaliers. It's sick, but you know, I, I do think it's 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 a better schedule than uh, than what we've managed through so far. And again, you know, you get guys back healthy, um, and that'll be nice to to kind of get some like reserve back um, you know, for the rest of the year. But you know, we always knew like when we looked at the schedule when it first got released, it was like Christ, like really felt hard. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, it is. Um, it's not often that it works out that way. You know, like you look at the schedule and whenever it gets released, like before the season, you're like, damn, that looks like a, a really tough or a really easy schedule. It's not often that it holds up that way, but the schedule looked hard and it has been, <laughs> been hard. Uh, and then we had a couple fun uh, Shams tweets. Uh, his his agent co-partner, uh, <laughs> Ben Simmons has a muscle strain in his leg, isn't expect he's expected to miss a few games, which could turn into a full season, Nets fans, so be careful with that. Uh Shom said, Simmons has battled through ailments the past few weeks, most recently soreness and swelling in knee, and was in the midst of his best play this season. Well first of all, 
great spin. Yes. That is like that is top level spin right there. That is like Maria Sharapova, Roger Federer, <laughs> Serena Williams spin. Yeah, like great job. But um come on. <laughs> come on. What Hilarious. are we doing? I mean it's it's true. It she's definitely definitely playing his best. <laughs> uh good luck then, to you. And then he also tweeted today that the NBA informed teams that the 2023-2024 season will start on October 24th and conclude on April 14th. And then he said, noteworthy, if slash when the in-season tournament is approved, initial schedule will have 80 games per team and remaining games scheduled after uh, eight teams advance to knockout rounds. Okay, that sounds good. How is this tournament supposed to work then? That's, like, what I, that's what I was If there's a knockout about. round, I would just have assumed it was knockout from the start. Yeah. There's going to be like a group play. And like, seems... how many teams are qualifying for this? Like, I mean, I, it has to be everyone. There's no way that teams are agreeing to be like left out of additional revenue. If I had to guess, it would be like eight groups of four, and you play each of your group once. And you just go off of like record, and then maybe like points scored or something. I I don't know how they're if they're adv- if eight teams are advancing, you know, like the top two teams from each group advance. That would be my guess how they're yeah. doing that. But to me, what makes more sense is just to randomly seed everyone, and that just be it. <laughs> and you just go and just play like go from thirty two to sixteen to eight to four to two to one. Well, here we go. An hour ago from Sporting News, Kyle Irving from Sporting News said uh, he put an article out about how the in-season tournament is going to work. Um, so the NBA would play, quote-unquote, cup games throughout November. The eight teams with the best records in those games would advance to a single elimination tournament in December, and the other 22 teams would continue their regular seasons. All in-season tournament games would count as part of the 82-game schedule, the two teams that reach the final will end up playing one extra game during the regular season, so a total of 83. Um, and they are still working to finalize the in-season tournament concept, which includes to be determined prizes for the eight teams that advance to the single elimination round. And apparently the idea is very similar, yet not identical to the WNBA Commissioner's Cup. Uh, which has been integrated into the league schedule the past two seasons, which the WNBA Commissioner Cup has uh, teams play 10 cup-style games, which count towards the standings for the in-season tournament. The games also count towards each team's overall record, just as they would in the NBA's reported in-season tournament. And where the two formats appear to differ is that the WNBA Commissioner's Cup, the teams with the best record in each conference, face off in a single elimination championship game and the NBA's proposed in-season tournament would have an eight-team single elimination tournament to decide the winner. Okay. And then for reference, the Commissioner's Cup in the WNBA has a prize pool of 500000 and an additional 165000 goes to charitable and civic organizations. Hmm. All right. I mean... I mean, if it makes November basketball, like... Interesting, it, which I think is the point. I think yeah. that's the point with a lot of this is to make this part of the year feel like it matters it's i mean but it is tough because like and it's the same with every sport except for football where it's like because football there's only so few games but like when you have 82 games 162 games like 
it's just hard to care about April or November, you know, like if you're in hockey or, or, or basketball, like it's just, I just, I'm thinking of like all the teams that have performed well, like in the playoffs or like, think of the Celtics last year, Mm -hmm. right? Of what their November and December looked like as compared to their May and June. And just like what a drastically different team that was. It's just that. I mean, the biggest example is the 2019 Washington Nationals. Right, like you could just you can improve so much as as the year goes along that yeah I mean the Phillies mm-hmm. <laughs> like that 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 team in early May is so different from that team in early October um, so it's just it is it is the the point I think is to make this a little more relevant will that work I don't know you know because like ultimately too like you're seeing contracts now in the NBA which are just like and, and deservedly so it's not like they don't deserve this but you know you're talking guys making. 40 to 50 million dollars now that's like the high level guys but even like a mid-level guy now is getting 20 million dollars a year like how much are you paying them to make it worth you know them really like caring besides just like always wanting to win everything but like i don't i don't know i i just think it's um for me i would just do 32 teams just have it and have it go along like i think you could here's how because they're clearly trying to make this after like the european soccer model of like the FA Cup and, and all the other cups that each each domestic league has. What they do is like essentially, and it's really cool for the first FA Cup week. There's a few rounds before, but until it actually gets made with the Premier League teams, which is the, the top division there, the third round includes all the Premier League teams. And it's like that weekend, there's no Premier League games. There's no like regular league games. It's all FA Cup. And it's really fun because, like, and it's different, too, because obviously there you have tiered mm-hmm. divisions. So, like, a, a Premier League team can be feasibly playing even, like, a non-professional team if they make it that far in, in this cup, right? Like, as, as long as you're part of the football association, you can be entered into this tournament. You know, but it's, like, becomes kind of a celebration of that. And, like, even with other, like, cups, like, throughout Europe, like, th- they'll set aside game weeks where it's, like, there's no league games this week or the midweek there's a midweek game now, and that's the cup. You could do that with the NBA. Like, I, you could make that this weekend is like cup weekend. Yeah. You know, like, you could do that, and that'd be fun. I think it'd be a fun, you could make it engaging. Like, you could, again, like, you could, you could definitely get creative with ideas to make it an, an event, feel like an event and not just, you know, a game. You know what I mean? Like, I think you could, you could do that. And making that, you know, to add on to that, I think like making that, that Christmas slate of games. Part Christmas would be so much spectacular. Make it because you know who else owns that is is the Premier League because so many other European leagues uh, have like a winter break. Mm-hmm. You know, like usually like um, from like December like twenty second to like January sixth or, or tenth. A lot of European leagues don't have any games at all. So the Premier League has become in partly so popular for a lot of reasons. But one of the big reasons too is they have this holiday fixture list where teams play like every three days but it's like no other league is on and everyone's home everyone's home mm-hmm. with their family they're watching tv it's why like again nba christmas day is, is special people it's why thanksgiving for football is special yep. people here right because it's like you're you're at home you're with your family everyone likes to gather around like watch something everyone can watch sports it's it's easy you know most people are at least casually into it so yeah like why not have why not make christmas like really like your thing um I don't know. Because <laughs> now you got to compete this year with the NFL. <laughs> yep. And, you know, the, the Premier Lacrosse League is trying to do something this year, too, where they're rebranding their championship series, which was what their uh, bubble tournament was in 2020 when there was no sports going on. 
they're rebranding that. It's now a tournament for the top four teams that finish in the standings are playing an off-season tournament in February in the style of lacrosse that they want to be the format for the Olympics. So it's more, you know, exposure for the sport to get that push to be in the 2028 Olympics in L.A., and then you're also having the league continue to play almost year-round, which is exciting. Uh, and you brought up the Boston Celtics too, Matt. I, if you had to guess right now, who is courtside at Heat Celtics in Boston right now? Who? Who would who would your guess be? I'll give you a hint. It is a couple. Uh, Kanye West and Nick Fuentes. <laughs> well, I think Kanye would be walking out. <laughs> Uh, a couple. Uh, oh, uh, Joe and Jill Biden. <laughs> Pretty close. Is Here, it Obama and... Here's your couple courtside. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Jesus. Do they know the history of Boston? Right. <laughs> Do they know about, uh, William and Kate know about, uh... William and Kate courtside at the Celtics game. Man, and to think, you know, all those, like, people that are always, like, raving about the constitution and whatever and like the amendments like think of how like their ancestors and our founding fathers would be rolling over in their graves if like we were like bringing the monarchy here and like hanging out i don't care but i think it's funny maybe they're do they, they know the history of boston though because like that right. is like the that is really funny like that is like <laughs> the one city that it's like pretty You're ironic really there? like that in philadelphia are like probably the most <laughs> ironic places you could bring like British colonial merchants. <laughs> like, yeah, the Lakers game. Williams gonna be ringing the bell. <laughs> oh, smashing! <laughs> it's already got a crack in it. <laughs> Maybe they're meeting with uh, Heat ownership to get the arena named like Royal Family well, Arena. I th- well, I think what it is too is like the Heat culture is so strong. It's worldwide. They're, yeah, they're trying to they're trying to figure that out for themselves. I think Heat culture pitbull. Well, worldwide. Uh, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm actually you not. Know I'm not. I'm not going to make the really tasteless joke about Williams' infidelity and some of the Celtics. Uh, not going to do it. I'm going to let the listener use context clues. I'm going to let the listener take over there. I'm just going to say I think they have shared values in that regard. I think. Uh, I think is all that needs to be said. Meanwhile, courtside in Brooklyn uh, is former Nets minority owner Jay Z. Meeting with future, the future uh, part owner of the Washington Commanders. <laughs> Christ, we'll see. Speaking of that, did you see the statue, quote unquote? Yeah, um, didn't feel like a statue. No, and <laughs> apparently they went a roundabout way to make sure they never said the word statue. Yeah, it's a, I, it's a wired mannequin. <laughs> it's like a cool looking mannequin. You know, right? Like it's cool yeah. looking. If it was a mannequin, if it's like you if saw it was that in, in the pro team, shop, or you see that in like the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. And it's like this was like the game worn jersey for whoever. It's like, oh, that's cool. That looks cool. It's like it wasn't even it, a jersey he wore. It was a Nike jersey. Is it like why Nike jersey, Reebok pants? And I did get, I did see clarification on this because a lot of people were like, those are soccer cleats. Apparently, he wore soccer cleats. Okay, which I was like, all right, at least they're like. They didn't go down to like Dick's Sporting Goods to get cleats, but just feels to honor like a guy who was a franchise legend who was also murdered. You would think you would give an actual statue to that guy. Feels bizarre. Or like I think they built it 
they taglined it as a memorial. Yeah. It doesn't really feel like a memorial. No. Who am I to say? <laughs> but like, I, I don't look at that enemy and think, oh, that's like, that's the memorial. Whatever. You know, like it doesn't read like that at all. It no. reads like a, you know what it reads? You know what it's like? It's like you ever see the college football locker rooms when they're like, they're like, oh, come look at the LSU yeah. football. And there's always like a, there's literally always that. There's always like a cylinder tube with like a mannequin of a football player with like all yep. the gear on in there. And it's like, yeah, this cost us $72 million. Um, it looks like they spent more money on the glass. By the way, our our state is 47th in education, but we spent $150 million on this new locker room and uh, a stadium upgrade. And bringing Brian Kenny down to LSU. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> what happened was is that we had to get new Gators. Um, and, I mean, the Gator market, you would not believe what COVID did to the Gator market. I mean, you th- you think buying a car is bad? They done they done drain the swamps. You don't know what Tiger King did to the Gator market, <laughs> to those crocodilians. Oh man, unreal. Uh, before we get to Survivor, uh, Team USA advances to round sixteen. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when it was like the ninety sixth minute, and that ball <laughs> was damn near close to going in the back of the net. Well, let me tell you, because I was in class watching the the last like 20 minutes which was brutal <laughs> um what was even worse is that i didn't obviously have sound mm-hmm. so um i'm seeing like the iran like the iran players clearly like signaling for a penalty i'm like oh my god like for i'm at that like it. I, am i gonna have to have an emotional breakdown in class um yeah, then you see the replay i mean just amazing um the world cup is like really delivered on the drama uh, every day in the like final group stages, every 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 game that has been built up to have some drama to it has has had such. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, even earlier yesterday, um, you had, uh, Senegal and Ecuador, like that was a back and forth game, right? Like you've you've had these moments which have been really exciting. Today we had Argentina, Poland, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, all alive on the last day, That's all with crazy. the ability to get out. It started coming down to. Uh, fair Fifth play tiebreakers. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it's just it's very rare that that happens. Although, funnily enough, it did happen last World Cup with Senegal and um and Japan. But yeah, um, U.S. going through is uh, it's massive. I mean, like it's it's hard to, it's hard to like sum up in words because it's just like it's this team obviously misses out on 2018, and that is that is so frustrating. But that was certainly at a time where I think. The U.S. is probably at its weakest mm-hmm. this like century. Honestly, it was like from like sixteen, probably like fifteen to eighteen was when this team was at its its probably its worst and least talented and least directionless. And I don't love Greg Berhalter, but he has done a lot of good things. And I do think one of the the strengths is like, and we talked about this. I think you, even on here, I don't even think on top bins about like that Wales game where it's like saw this team be able to operate really well against a low block. Like they were good in possession, they were able to create chances. And you saw that really to their benefit against Iran. I thought they were very good in that game. Well-deserving of the three points. Um, huge moment. And I, I just think, again, you know, like, and listen, the Netherlands are not an easy team. Um, they're a team that I bet on to win the World Cup. <laughs> so <laughs> I got a nice hedge opportunity at least. But um, as far as, like, a team that you're going to face that topped their group, 
I would say the Netherlands are one of the better teams that you could get because, you know, both teams have been very good defensively. Um, you know, U.S. hasn't allowed a goal out of open play. Um, and when you consider, like, you know, Wales, not the best, but, you know, still were able to, to score off a penalty. But England, high attacking team, a lot of attacking talent, held them to, to a, a shutout and deservedly so, too. There really weren't that many chances for England in that game. And Iran, similarly, you know, there, there weren't a ton of chances for Iran in that game. So, um, and, and Netherlands have, have struggled to create a lot of opportunities. Like, it's, it is a winnable game for the U.S. They not guaranteed anything out of it, right? But, like, as far as opponents go, it, it is winnable for them. Um, and, I mean, really all you want to do is, like, make it out of your group and give yourself the chance. It's similar to, like, the Phillies. It's like, just mm -hmm. get us to the wild card, you know? Like, you don't you don't know what could happen. So, um, I'm excited. It's it's the best. The World Cup has been a lot of fun. Um, again, just the, the, the drama of the games has been really, really good. Uh, we've really gotten, like good quality games out of this um you know there's obviously been some like stinker nil nils but um overall like it's been uh it's been really exciting yeah i mean christian pulisic put his nuts on the line literally well it's a pelvic contusion <laughs> you know read between the lines literally and but, uh says he's gonna be good for saturday yeah it just it feels like something that he's just gonna have to like you can probably play it through a little but it's better than you know anything like obviously being broken his world right. cup being over but um and brendan aronson taking over for him yeah, the yeah. Two, the two PA boys. The two PA boys. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, too, to keep in mind. is like, this team is stupid young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, Youngest team in the knockout round, I think, now. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and that's something they'll obviously be building towards in 2026 when the U.S. is one of the hosts, you know, like having this team. And, um, yeah, I, I've just been – I've been really impressed with with a lot of the play. I've been really impressed, like, you know, we talked about – Musa McKenney Adams and how important it was that that was going to be the midfield trick because it hasn't always been like that during some of the qualification here um, and how just effective they have been I was really impressed with them against England I was really impressed with them again against Iran yesterday and just how well they controlled the game like it's so funny because in each like sort of generation of my life with the U.S. there have been at points where it's like different parts of the team are very good and it's like it's never been like all at the same time right and that's just because we don't we're not at that level where we're producing top talent everywhere, right. but like there really hasn't ever been a moment where I felt like the midfield was the best part of the U S team. And it is now like, I do, I do think this midfield is actually like, I think it's actually not one of the best midfields still at the world cups. There are a lot of very good midfields, but it's just like, I look at this midfield and I think it does not, it's, it belongs in the knockouts of the world cup. And I have not felt that way about the U S in, in a while. And you know, the attack is, coming together and like spits and starts a little bit, you know, they're, they're creating chances and they look good. So, um, and defensively, like I said, have not conceded a goal from open play so far at this tournament, which is like not, even if you're not in the most challenging group, that is not something easy to do. Cause also this is the world cup finals, right? Teams go through a lot of games to get to this point. Like this is like the end stage of like this, you know, like there's, there are hundreds of games that are played to get to this moment. Like you're facing, the best teams from around the world, like no doubt about it. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's to, to do that is not taken lightly. Sweet 16, baby. Sweet 16. Keep dancing. And uh, we talked, we did it on top ends last week, but we, uh, we found one of my guys. <sighs> Australia, mate. The Socceroos are 2-0 since I uh, jumped on board. I mean, crazy game too, because uh, they had a, 
it was kind of similar to what we had with like Mexico and, and Argentina, Poland today, where it was like um, Tunisia go ahead. And at that point, Tunisia was going through. Uh, it wasn't enough that Australia was drawing at that point. And then maybe I think three or four minutes later, Australia score to go ahead. And then um, also we end up shocking Denmark. Um, although I think, again, based on how the World Cup had gone, not that shocking because Denmark had... I, I didn't like Denmark's first performance and it, it rang true for the rest of the tournament where it like, just did not create chances enough um, at all and did not look similar to that team from the Euros at all. Disappointing for them, but Australia, it's the first time they've ever won two two games at a World Cup. Only the second time they've made it to the round of 16 and they get to play Argentina. So, <laughs> Who are the living embodiment of the Colin Ambulance, but not for me. Man. They are just... <laughs> A absolute blast <laughs> they're a lot, good god they're a lot of fun to watch um and yeah i uh argentina has, has certainly returned to like a good a good form here yeah so go check out top ends as well uh where more in-depth world cup coverage will be coming and i'm sure you guys will be talking about that absurd cristiano ronaldo story as well that blew my mind he's getting that live golf money <laughs> yeah it turns out <laughs> turns out when you're not worried about uh i don't know morality just, you know, yeah there we go that's <laughs> turns out when you're not worried about that you make a lot of money. uh but let's head on over to uh fiji and talk survivor 43 it's brought to you by our friends over at pickup you guys can go to playpickup.com play all the hottest headlines in sports from the world cup to the nfl mlb offseason nba nhl nascar whatever it may be they've got it go to playpickup.com and start playing those headlines we mentioned last week, Matt, obviously our, our guy is out. James now on the jury uh, in a double elimination, uh, which which feels like we need to put an asterisk next to uh, our pick just a little bit because, you know, of course our guy goes out on the double elimination episode. But uh, Noel voted out last week uh, in just a, a crazy, very narrative-driven episode for her. Struggles in the challenge, ends up winning the challenge, and then everybody's like, we got to get her out. Uh, she gets voted out now, and uh, we are, we're we we're in crunch time. Yeah, this is where the game gets very interesting. I didn't think Gabler, like crazy, <laughs> Gabler is like... Very good. <laughs> very savvy in, in the last episode. Like immediately like is getting like sold by Jesse's like, this guy's full of shit, you know, like he's, and he's running the show. Like I, and I, and I think he did the smart thing too, by like appeases him this week, but has, has the target now on, on Justin. And he's right. Like he made, he made a right call. I think so. Um, is not often that we're at this point, And I feel this way. Cause it, even in the last few years where I feel like it has been more open than it, it was previously in survivor. You can tell me anyone wins. And I, I could see how, and I wouldn't be shocked. Um, you know, I it's it's always hard to tell maybe like how people feel about people like truly, but I just feel like as a viewer like watching this, I I look at these these players and think yeah like you could win. I could see that. I I could see anyone left now winning for sure. Yeah, and it's been a. I don't know why CBS doesn't have the cast updated for. I what is up with 43? that? <laughs> Like, come on, guys. We're almost done a full season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of contestants this season that, like, I think you and I preseason, like, felt they'd be gone already, but are, like, absolutely thriving 
yeah. so far. Sammy, Cassidy, uh, Carla has been like Carla, very dominant. Carla's been really good. I Carla would be the fan. person I think I, I want to win most. Yes. I feel like she's played very good up to this point. She's been very smart. I feel like she's been like she's at the center of a lot of this stuff. Like she was very like she's definitely close with James and like was was you know privy to a lot of like his information. But she definitely has a good relationship with Jesse too. She just feels like someone that like everyone talks to, which is always a good spot to be in. Um, so yeah, I, I really like uh, Carla. I think she'd probably be the person maybe I, I'd most want to see mm-hmm. win at this point. Um, but yeah, like I said, every everyone on that list I think has played a, a good game so far. Jesse's no, no, been like sneaky good. I do think he's. I think again though, Gabler like spotted him. You yes. know, and I, I think I think he has now been he he was playing sneaky, and I think now. I think he stuck his toes out just a little much mm-hmm. and he had to do it. You know, like he was, he was doing what he felt was best for his game. It's not like, a, I don't know that he made like an error, but you know, just sometimes you become a little too seen. Yeah. Cassidy has like survived literally like made it. Yeah. From the, the original blue tribe along with Carla and like, seems like there's been multiple times where like she's been on the outs and has found a way to, redirect any votes coming her way to go to somebody else and then owen has been like one of the bigger wild cards i think of the last like five seasons owen has looked good um don't know where he is with like alliances or anything but he's he's there still and again another guy i think you know he makes it the end he's done it by playing a good game so yeah i'm intrigued to see what happens tonight because again we've, we've said it all season long like this season feels like the most unpredictable of these, you know, hyper seasons, if you want to call them that, of the, you know, 24 days out there rather than the 39 traditional, um, where like anybody could win this. Yeah, absolutely. Which is exciting. You know, I think it makes it like, you know, Survivor has like flaws still. Like it's, it's not perfect, but I, I do think like one of the nice things now is like, does feel like and i think this is again a credit to the diversity casting too where it's like you've if, when you get so many people from like all different backgrounds i feel like it's refreshing as if you were to see that because you're seeing like what the world surrounds you is, is more like accurately resent, represented by but also like i just feel like you're getting like different perspectives mm-hmm. and different different ways of playing the game and i i just think too like the people have been interesting to watch i think they've been exciting like it's been good television like i have actually like some of the game stuff I have not enjoyed, but like I've never felt like the players, I've never felt like the people I'm watching on the screen or maybe why I've been like rolling my eyes. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and that has been the case in Survivor in recent history where it's been like, this is, he's such a schmuck. You mm-hmm. know, like there've been some really awful people, yes. you know, but even outside like the awful people, like the truly just like terrible, it's been like, eh, like not wild about this person. You know, like right. I really haven't felt that way. So it's it's been good casting, I think, is ultimately what matters. And we found new ways to lie about your age. Yeah. Again, I just <laughs> why make yourself twenty two? I <laughs> He's of age. Of legal drinking age. I have a feeling if he makes it to Final Tribal that that would be like you know, they're always like drop a bombshell on like yeah. oh this whole time i was doing this like oh you thought you were on it's like well actually i told you guys i was 22 i'm actually 19 i'm a teenager and they're like okay <laughs> <laughs> it'll be even funnier if like he just waits like when they're doing like the the reunion portion and they always bring out the pizza and wine and everything now it's like uh oh, can't have that are they doing that i 
I don't I, know if they are. I don't because I'm, I'm assuming that was mostly a, a COVID thing. Yeah. Um, which I know this season they got to watch yeah. 41 and 42 to kind of get an idea of how the game was going to go. So I don't know how they're uh, approaching it. Yeah. Because I think this was filmed this past, past like spring. late spring. It's always, yeah. I think, like May is when I think they, um, like April, May, early June, I think yeah. is when a lot of this gets filmed. So, um, I mean, I'm assuming that they probably planned knowing that they could do like a live reunion. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, too. I. Th- Again, mixed. I, I kind of like the surprise of like, oh shit, we're going to find out right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but also I do like kind of the read, but that's also kind of suck as like a player like waiting, you know, forever to, yeah. see, <laughs> to see if you want or not. But if they do have it that way, he's be like, oh, I, I can't legally have that, guys. Uh, can, I have a, can I have a juice box? Because can't do the wine. Uh, but make sure you guys are following at buffs and snuffs on Twitter and follow us at underground PHI Twitter and Instagram. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Casarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Matt, what's your favorite thing about Spotify wrapped? I saw you tweet about it everything. And at first, I couldn't tell if it was sarcasm (laughs) or not. But then, as as I kept seeing your tweets, I was like, okay, he genuinely. No, is. I fucking love Spotify Wrapped. <laughs> um, one, I'm a narcissist, so I love when I get. Um, everyone loves getting detailed, quirky information about themselves. Yes. That's why people do the fucking BuzzFeed personality quizzes because you love being told what you are. You know, like people love that. Um, I like it because, first of all, I listen to a lot of music. I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I like having this like review of like oh yeah like because genuinely sometimes i forget because i kind of go through different moods throughout the year too where it's like i might have been really into a band or like a song or something in like march that i haven't like listened to in a while and then it shows up on my raps i'm like this is sick and i i like i don't like a the personality traits they're giving yeah. you now like whatever i could do without that i like seeing like Again, like the reflection of my year, like all the stuff I listen to, it's a really cool, like cumulative way. I think it's good for like creators too and stuff because it's like, it's a nice way of like, you know, like reminding you of like, oh yeah, like shit. I was like really into that this year. Um, and I think it gets better every year. And I think, you know, again, I'm not trying to like, I'm not one to like bow down to the corporate people, but I think as far as like, I think this is like the most effective marketing you could possibly do. Cause like, I, for the next two days, this is all people see on their Twitter, on their mm-hmm. Instagram, is this. And it makes – genuinely, I am sure that there are people – and people are going to think I'm crazy for saying that, but I'm sure that there are people that have Spotify simply because of Wrapped. Simply because they know that they will also get to post about their – because, listen, I've, all seen, I've seen all the Apple Music ones, all the other stuff. Good for you. It does not look as – maybe that makes me shallow. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, I know for a fact – People will get Spotify just for Spotify wrapped. I think it's, I think it's great. And I, I genuinely like seeing what other people are listening to. Like I, I've li- like got turned on to like so much like music and podcasts. Like I love when people share the podcast they listen to. Cause like, I'm just genuinely always looking for a new one. I'll try like anything at least once. Um, so I, I like it. I like seeing what people are into. Um, I'm always like open to like hearing new music. Cause I'm not like picky at all. Um, fucking love spotify wrapped man it is my I, like i started googling last week i was like when does spotify rap come out <laughs> like i know it's around this time of year always and i'm like yeah, i gotta gotta start getting ready and this year did not disappoint so yeah i uh and he, this year he got like little artist messages 
Dua, Le- really. Dua Lipa was telling me she was so happy that I listened to her music. There's like, I, I literally every year, Dua. I I don't know what Shout to tell out. you. Yeah, Dua I got Lipa a. Needs to come on the pod. I got a message from. Uh, let's see here. I got a message from Steve from Third Eye Blind. I mean, they're all like generic stuff, you know. Yeah. But it's like still, it's nice. Uh, Adam from the War on Drugs. Taylor Swift. There's a band that should come on the pod oh. since they're from Philly. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, Taylor. You're welcome. By the way, I don't think you, I don't think I set you over the edge. I think, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's cool. I think it's um, and now too, like you can go, uh, on like your Wrapped and below it, like if you scroll, um, it like has your like it has like merch for all your favorite artists from oh, that year cool. too. So you can immediately go like, oh yeah, cool. Like I didn't realize like that's a cool ass shirt. Like I can go like to their website now and buy that. Like, that's cool. Like I know yeah. Spotify isn't great for artists. I'm not going to like, again, but that does help. Right. Like I know it's a problematic platform. I'm not pretending right. like there are no issues here, <laughs> but like, it's also like, I do think it's cool. I do think it drives a lot of engagement and I think it's, you know, it's, it's my shit. I love Spotify wrapped. Yeah. The war on drugs come on this podcast. Um, we got our Spotify wrapped yeah. for the pod. Um, We'll go through it here to end the show. Uh, Spotify, not a sponsor or owner of the pod, but um, <laughs> this one's hilarious. Ep- you know, chapter one of Color Star Chronicles was <laughs> our number one listened to episode this year. 144% more streams on Spotify than the average episode. Um that tracks. rightfully so <laughs> that tracks <laughs> again you kind of forget about that stuff yeah this is why this is cool it's almost 100 episodes <laughs> ago uh our top country was the u.s on spotify uh but we did have pods on the network that had other uh countries involved ireland the uk for getting the hole um otb had uh canada and sweden and i want to say Top bins was just US, but I could be wrong. I'm going to look at it right here. Yeah, I think it was just US. Um, but still very cool to kind of just see where you rank country wise and everything like that. Uh, and then Underground Sports Philadelphia from April 17th to April 23rd. 225% more listeners compared to our average week. Don't know if that was more color star. I think that had to have been playoff Sixers. Yeah, or close to. Or like the end of the season, actually, because the season went late last year. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what happened in uh, in April of last year. <laughs> I can't, couldn't tell you. <laughs> Could not tell you. It was you. like the start of the Philly season. Yeah, but it wasn't even like Girardi getting fired yet. Right. Um and then in terms of uh sharing being caring, we were in the top twenty percent of most shared globally for podcasts, which is pretty neat. Uh mostly direct link, Facebook, text message, and then one percent other, which I don't know what other classifies as because I've seen uh a number of our shows get distributed like Snapchat, WhatsApp, 
So I don't know what other constitutes of, but if anyone from Spotify wants to let us know, apparently our fans met are uh, enthusiasts because when their favorite podcast releases a new episode, they're among the first to know going above and beyond to support their show. Shout out to the loyal listeners. Uh, and then they asked if we've been working out, which cannot confirm nor deny, but we had a 52% increase in listeners this year. Okay, so I think I found April 28th episode was, uh, uh, then they dive into the stress and anxiety that the Sixers are giving them. Try to figure out why Doc Rivers can't close out a series to save his uh, life, and Ben Simmons and the Nets getting swept out of the playoffs. Uh, uh, then they discuss the NFL draft and why the buzz just doesn't seem to be there this year. Um, yeah. There it is. So there was There was some big stuff happening. I had to know before. Yeah, that was that was gonna eat me alive. Fifty-two uh, percent increase in listeners on Spotify this year. Twenty-three percent in followers. Seven percent in streams increase. So shout out to everybody who uh, followed, downloaded, and listened. And then uh, the full-blown recap little icon here for the overall. Put out 108 episodes so far. Obviously, we have all of December to go. Uh, 6,000 minutes of podcasts. And then... Don't know why that disappeared. After I just praise you, Spotify. This is what you do to me. <laughs> uh, three countries and then a 52% increase in listeners. So, shout out to the Spotify listeners. Of the podcast, uh, we put out a whole bunch of uh, screenshots for all of our other podcasts. This one will go out as well, but Matt and I appreciate all the, the support and the listeners and everything from whatever platform you listen on, but like you said, Spotify Wrapped is, is very fun to kind of tune into. I am an Apple Music listener, and I got my Apple Music uh, rewind, and it was all Callum Scott. <laughs> and you know, I saw, I saw quite a few people repping Callum Scott as their top artist, and God bless them. I had Callum Scott. I had uh, Bryson Stott's walk-up song in my top three, Arkell's in my top five, uh, which shout-out to them. They were uh, going to commercial music on Sunday Night Football, which was pretty neat, so shout-out to the boys. But uh, if we're in your Spotify rap for podcasts, too, tweet at us, at UndergroundPHI, tag us on Instagram, uh, let us know if we're in your Spotify wrapped, and... Uh, Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast feed as well. Keep boosting the numbies up there and helping Matt and I keep make this show uh, the best it can possibly be, if not better. And then subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get full video episodes of every uh, podcast on our network. Smash the like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your thoughts on everything we talked about tonight. Let us know your Spotify wrapped as well. And big shout out to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. But this has been episode number 486 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Until next time, we're getting the heck out of here.